Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. thinking about the algorithm of say Amazon how if you buy something then they suggest other things you might like and so it's like the computer saying oh you might like this and I was thinking how that's sort of parallel in a way to synchronicity and how it's almost like actuality saying oh you might like this or you remember does this resonate with you it's like trying to match you with things that you would move toward which is similar to the Amazon thing because I actually shipped a gift to somebody on my Amazon account and then that person who I shipped that gift to had that gift pop up in their Amazon feed which was interesting because it wasn't purchased under their Amazon account but what would have matched was the address so that's very clever because it's taking it's calculating that this person received this item so they probably like similar items to this item but it actually popped up this item and I just thought, that is an interesting computation. That's an interesting algorithm to match the receiver of something, their address, and then start popping that item up in their feed or in their, their ideas of what they might like. And you might think, well, that's not that interesting. But to me, I was just thinking, those algorithms are getting more and more and more and more complex and and then I think about how actuality must be based on some kind of algorithm and synchronicity in a way is kind of similar it's like well here's something you might like here's something you might want to follow here's something you might want to move toward and so I was wondering what is the algorithm for synchronicity if programmers can figure it out to create this algorithm to present stuff in front of us on our electronic devices, what is it that allows us to step into a place or a path or a pathless path where one good thing shows up after another? Now, if you think about Amazon and you think, okay, if I was to buy something that I wasn't interested in, like a bag of nails, and then the next day I go and I buy, you know, some DVD that I'm not really wanting to watch, well, and I keep going with that process, eventually Amazon is only going to give me suggestions 
or very quickly, it's only going to be giving me suggestions that I don't even want. I'm not even interested in them because I was just buying stuff I didn't even want anyway. So I was thinking about how we're that way in our daily life, in a way. If we have a job we don't like, we have we're surrounded with stuff we don't really want anymore and we have friends we maybe don't resonate with anymore the universe is just going to keep giving similar suggestions because that's sort of what we've been choosing all along and so the opposite of that would be to always move toward things that we are joyful about, happy about, make us laugh, etc. And so that would likely lead to that showing up for us in our life. So it's almost like what we choose is the algorithm. What we put our attention on is what we give our energy to. And that our energy is actually our main currency we use that currency in order to earn money. So if we're putting that currency, and that's how we're earning money, and then we're spending that money which we earned with that level of energy, we're only bringing in that level of energy, even if we bought something maybe that we did like. So I just thought it was interesting how we do that online, we buy what we want, and then things pop up and suggest on Facebook or whatever that oh we might like something similar but in life we often choose the things that we are not really that interested in that we don't like and then we're wondering why the same things pop up just look at the algorithms of the computers so like we probably work the exact same way so I really wonder what the algorithm of synchronicity is I think it would have something to do with energy. I think it has something to do with movement because when I have had the most synchronicities, I was on the move. I was not sitting around. I was always out and about. And a lot of time I would say I created that synchronicity because I would have conversations with people. So movement physically as well as movement of one's voice. And I wonder too, I wonder about this whole water thing, because I was talking in my last videos, I think, about how having dialogue, one gives voice to their concerns and maybe some of the energy is actually carried out on the water, as well as the sound, but also on the water. And that could be one of the ways that it changes the fabric of reality in a way because we're giving voice to those things energetically and in the water because we breathe out water it turns to oxygen and things and other people breathe that in. People are actually breathing in the words that we say and, and not just that but the energy of our whole being 
and that's the water and the air part, but it's also energetic. And that could be it, it's the energy of fear. And I wonder why we have the algorithm of the ego voice talking to itself. That algorithm keeps us lost in self-centeredness. Somebody told me today that people with schizophrenia, very few of them get cancer. And they said because they're not really spending time in their body, they're kind of in their head. And I was wondering a few things about that. One is that people with a mental health diagnosis like that often on average die 25 years earlier so they're less likely to develop cancer that way too plus people are less likely to take care of themselves and actually go to the doctor for a checkup people that are medicated and medicalized are probably less prone to be like yeah let's go to the doctor today so there could also be under diagnosis and I'm not disputing that like that they don't get cancer I think that it could be partly because they are having their energy up in their head or not even their head but it could be in my mind the collective unconscious their their energy is working in a different domain and to me also a person who's identified with their ego and logic and success and personal gain and and all of that those people are actually acting on self-interest and it makes sense that Gaia would select for people acting in self-interest to get cancer and die and that's an oversimplification but I feel like the process of supposed mental illness is actually a transformation. It's transconsciousness. If understood and allowed to flower, it would actually help heal the social fabric, the relational mind. It's acting in that domain of the relational mind, past, present, all possible futures of every human or creature on the planet. One's not identified with personal gain. And so, because a person's not identified with personal gain, they're seen as mentally ill because they could walk in circles and not really accomplish anything. They're seen as mentally ill when they're not understood and allowed to flower into the role, into the kind of intelligence that they're being transformed into necessarily by Gaia and so to me it makes sense if a person isn't identified as ego personal gain separate individual completely autonomous from everyone else acting independently instead of interdependently 
it makes sense that a person with that process, and it could be something to do with dopamine, how I mentioned the dopamine reflex and the over-reliance on dopamine sensation and me and gain like that, that would automatically predispose those types of people to cancer. So that could be, in a way, Gaia's war on people with that type of consciousness. And interestingly enough, a lot of people that have a diagnosis, they go through a transformation, actually, of like, whoa, like what is really important? And so many people connect with, wow, all this stuff in my life is not important. So it might not even be that nature is selecting to, to kill people off in that way. They could, it just could be another way for people to be reconnected with what's actually important in life. And what's actually important in life is a concept. It's a mental construct. I feel if we were never disconnected from our original intelligence, from the natural developing of that, that always learning, never accumulating process, we would never have the concept of, oh, this is what's important in life. That is a reflex, a retrospective thought based on moving away from nature. A fish doesn't talk about how important water is. Water is just there. It's just, it's just part of the fabric of life. Now, if it was outside of water, it would realize, oh, water's important. So we've done that. We've moved so far away from our nature, our natural intelligence, how we were as children, and the natural progression of that, not contorted by the gravity of the society we've created. And people that can maintain some semblance of consistency underneath that pressure are the ones that are so-called successful and then they create a more and more alien world based on that so-called success because that's what they were rewarded for with the material goods and people that get cancer they suffer in the body and people with a mental health concern they suffer in consciousness and the collective unconsciousness as well so it could be since they're in the consciousness and the collective unconsciousness they're not identified with the ego so their bodies are somewhat immune to that kind of suffering because they're in a different dimension of suffering a person that has a mental health challenge like that, they're already connected to the collective unconscious suffering and can sense what's really important, but they, there's no real path for people to be habilitated to what their intelligence is, their, lines of, their line of intelligence. So people that are egocentric and get cancer, it's again to try to connect them with the collective and what's important for all. And one 
in mental health crisis is sort of fighting battles in consciousness, whereas an egocentric person is fighting battles in the body. And in the mental health crisis domain, fighting battles in the collective unconscious, that is the common body of humanity. That's all of humanity. It's almost like mental illness, supposed mental illness, is autoimmunity to one's own ego. And one goes into the collective domain. The ego is psychological cancer. So it makes sense that that might be mirrored in the body. I think that's part of the whole um, synchronicity algorithm thing, is that a person isn't moved by money. A person isn't guided by reward in that sense. I was thinking, I was going to get a coffee the other day and I was thinking, I'm being moved by money. I'm going to go buy this coffee. And then I went back and I was moved again and I was going to work. So again, I was being moved by money. It was like this financial transaction. Whereas in synchronicity consciousness, nothing is about money. One is moved by something entirely different. I watched another TED talk on something about laughter and not taking oneself so seriously. And I was thinking about how in the first three and a half years after being diagnosed, I laughed a lot, had a lot of fun, and now I haven't had that laughter. And I don't know if I'm going to in my new job. And I was thinking, I don't know if I can afford to not have that laughter. And so I could be moved for the money of the job or I could be moved toward a situation where I'm going to have that laughter. And he talked about the top five regrets of the dying and how one of them was not having laughter and silliness in one's life. And again, it was talking a lot about how children are and how they laugh as a four-year-old 300 times a day and apparently as a 40-year-old four times a day. And I did a lot better when I wasn't taking myself so seriously. And all of these videos seem mostly serious. It'd be interesting to have self-dialogue when I'm more in a state of laughter and play. And a lot of this to me is playing with ideas and playing with insights, playing with words and language. And it's perhaps beneficial because without that context, then I could get played by words and things. And when I have been feeling a bit different these last few days, I have been framing it different with myself. I have been saying things that I would say about, say, trans consciousness or perceiving differently or sort of being shifted or processing something and I don't remember all the stuff that I say but it's interesting how that will sort of pop up on my mind screen when I have some sort of sensation that I could say I could say oh my gosh that's anxiety oh my gosh that means that I'm getting worse oh my gosh that means I might end up in the hospital 
but instead I have a different thing pop up like oh there's some energy there or I'm probably sensing things that I'm not aware of or maybe this job is not right for me maybe I don't want to get to the point where I decide that from the psych ward so instead of thinking that I'm becoming unwell it's more about realizing maybe this isn't right for me in my life and I th if I think about say being again a teenager in school and, and feeling so-called anxiety well we're all trying to be fit into the same box so of course some of us are going to feel anxiety and again I'm trying to fit myself in the box of society with the job of society and and I'm definitely feeling it and then I watched another talk and it was talking about positive psychology and how it's important to start with the fact that people have gifts and talents and and that we're competent and well-functioning and I feel again people that go through a crisis of some sort they become habilitated in certain ways while being perhaps temporarily disabled in other ways and I think it's important to acknowledge the habilitation and speak to that and and sometimes certain areas in life atrophy so then one is provoked into exploring the other areas that have been augmented or perhaps just feel as if they've been augmented because other areas have atrophied and since those areas have atrophied while well, we could work so hard to get that back or we could move towards what it is that our gifts and our talents are they talked about a study where a woman and this was quite some time ago was negative about kids test scores in the feedback and they did 19% better and then the next group of kids she was positive and only said strength based things and the kids did something like 79 or 71 percent better or something on the next thing and so it just shows the power of that and that's why I would like to completely move away from saying mental illness and all this stuff because that's not strength based and and so much of it I feel in a person needing to recover is actually recovering from the huge amount of stress that is inherited by virtue of the process that one goes through which is more like an initiation to to viewing oneself in such a detrimental way that is not helpful at all it's a temporary crisis it's awakening of other lines of intelligence we wonder why people that go through a crisis are so scared well they can read people so easily now and then we medicate people to dull them away from that so they can stand being around all these people who are pathologizing them and another TED talk said find your path to light and they talked about happiness laughter and talents and then he said that happiness laughter and talents are the compass so in a way, it could be that happiness, laughter, and talents are in a way the algorithm.
the compass to light up the path. And he also said, by focusing on what's wrong, we become experts on the problem. And I was thinking about my job and how the system is kind of wrong. And if I become an expert on the system, I'm actually becoming an expert on what's wrong. And with my videos, I talk about harvesting mania and practicing and embodying. And that is, again, focusing on the part of the transformation that was positive. And even though it often results in a negative period of time, doesn't mean one can't harvest that. Because a lot of that was us in our natural state. I think there's a particular human potential movement for people that have been diagnosed as mentally ill. It's just a matter of allowing those potentials to flower and they're not allowed to flower. I even wrote down, I'm feeling non-linear. A lot of times I can work on linear tasks, no problem, but all of a sudden I have to put together a couple documents and I'm just tuned out. And it could be because I'm non-linear or it could be because it's kind of lame. Maybe that's not what I'm supposed to be using my energy and attention for. So when we're in fear, we're seeing what we fear, that's what's made salient, that is the algorithm. and then. We're always trying to find things to fix our problem of the fear. When the problem is fear and no amount of things is going to get us to feel as if that is fixed. Maybe only temporarily, which is the dopamine. And then that dopamine sort of relieves the fear. And it's interesting because the dopamine in a way is relieving the fear that we're separate and alone and then by getting something we feel like oh I'm not alone I have this thing but that process in itself is isolating us from others which is this only security against feeling isolated is being connected and relational with others and I was thinking too about the movement movement of money how I sent a check to a friend so she could donate to the water people who give get clean water for people somewhere in the world. I was thinking I send a check and then that'll move her to the bank and then that bank she'll give it to the water people and then that'll move them to give the water. It's like that's what's required for that kind of action is the money. But imagine if we're all doing what we're really meant to do. That would happen maybe without the need for money. We would just be doing what was good for our heart and good for everyone. Money is a convenient way to do that. And I think map consciousness is a different movement. There's still a place for the movement of money, but I think map consciousness is different. And it's trying to move us away from this whole notion of commerce.
because if we believe in this commerce thing, we think, well, I have to have a certain amount of this or a certain that in order to do something. We're always delaying action. That could be part of the recalibration, is to recalibrate us away from commerce, which is tied into dopamine, which is tied into the me. So money, commerce, could also be related to dopamine. Because we need money to get stuff, to feel safe, to feel not alone. We don't know how to go out and connect and collaborate and cooperate. Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.